Thank you for joining us as we elevate the Black entrepreneur experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and thought and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Frances Richards. From poverty to PhD to stock trader, CEO, and co-founder of Investigive, welcome Dr. LaCour Meadows. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. We've given our audience such a brief bio. Why don't you fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you want them to know about you and your business? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would say the first and foremost thing that is important for me to share is that I am a daughter of the king. Okay. So I am definitely a believer um, and am on a mission, on a mission to truly make a difference in this world. Um, A little bit about my business. My business is named Invest to Give. And it's named that intentionally because I aspire to invest so that I can leave a legacy that will someday be the answer to someone's prayers. But more significantly than that, I also am on a mission to teach other people how to accomplish the same thing. And so I do that through teaching them about the stock market and how to get started with investing as well as trading on the stock market. Speaking of that, and we're talking about the stock market and wars and rumors and wars and everything that's going on, is it a good time to jump into the stock market? Well, I think it all depends on what your strategy is, first and foremost. Um, One of the things I share with my students often is that cash is a position. And so if right now makes some person a little bit nervous, it's okay. It's okay. I would say use this time, especially if you're interested in looking for opportunities for growth over the long term, is to really use this time to create a shopping list. So we have entered into what is called a bear market right now, which means that prices um, have fallen at least 20% from a recent high. And so that means that there are good, really good companies that are on what I like to call a clearance sale, right? Nothing to the company's fault, but really it's the overarching economy and what's happening over with um, the conflict with Russia and Ukraine. So that provides some really good opportunities, especially when the market begins to turn back around. Now, of course, there are other factors at play the whole conversation about inflation, right? The rise in interest rates and so forth. So that may mean that we need to look at some, how we, how do we diversify our portfolios? Um, Perhaps looking at more defensive companies, right? Um, And so forth. So I do think it's a good time to be engaged. However, for the new investor or trader, this may be a time to just really educate yourself and do the research so that when the market does um, begin to move back in a positive direction again over the extended period of time, they will be ready to buy um, at pretty good prices. And um, again, we want to thank our listeners. And if you have a question, let us know for Dr. Meadows. Um, So for someone who has no idea where to begin with trading stock, what advice would you provide? Yeah, so I I think the first and foremost goal is to really evaluate what I like to call your most valuable asset. And that valuable asset is self. So really understanding what is that North Star, what is that goal that you aspire to accomplish? 
And then once we've nailed that down, spending time thinking about, okay, what is my strategy in order to get there? So for example, I have a student who wants to pay off $15,000 worth of debt. And so we just spent time really kind of breaking down, okay, so what is that going to require? What what do you what do we need to accomplish per week, per month in order for you to get that paid down by this respective date? And so really putting that plan together and putting it on paper, I think is a really great first step. So once you do that, it's really around making sure that you have the tools so that you can begin trading. And one of the most important tools is to open up a brokerage account. I like to call that the broker, a broker, um, our partner in this process, because they're the ones who will enable us to buy or sell shares of stock. Um, So some examples of brokers could be like a TD Ameritrade, a Trade Station, a Webull, Fidelity, and so forth. There's a ton of them out there. But I always recommend for somebody who's brand new to make sure you select a broker that has a simulated feature. Okay. That means that you can practice first without using your real money. That's really important, especially because the stock market can be quite volatile. So Selecting a broker will be really um, a, a very important step so that you can practice. And then once you do that, spending as much time as possible educating yourself. Truly, that's one of the best investments one can make. I'm often asked the question, so how much money do I need to get started, right? And so I always ask people to kind of take a step back and think about, okay, so the first investment really should be in educating yourself, okay? Spending time really learning this. And while you are learning how to trade, while you're looking and identifying a strategy that works for you, spending time in a simulator tool and building your account along the way. Because ultimately, the more funds that you have, the greater the volume of shares or option contracts you can purchase in order to help you to get um, your jumpstart in the market. So hopefully that helps. So when you talk about educating oneself about the stock market um, and option trading, where should they begin? It's so much on the internet and there are some really valuable information on the internet, but there's also information we need to be very cautious of. Where should someone start if they're interested in educating themselves about the market? Yes, absolutely. So shameless plug, I have a book. <laughs> so people can start by reading my book. <laughs> it's called Income on Demand, the Complete Playbook for Beginning Stock Traders. Um, I also teach classes. So I teach classes from the beginner's level all the way up to advanced options levels as well. So taking a class will be really helpful. Now, a resource that I would recommend that I would say is reliable, um, but of course, nobody can ever can predict the future. But one thing, and I, I recommend my students just do. So what I was su- suggesting is that um, one place, a great place to start is I have a book. So one um, way that you can begin learning about the market um, is through my book, which is called Income on Demand, The Complete Playbook for Beginning Stock Traders. And then in addition to that, also I teach classes. So I help anywhere from very beginners all the way up to those who are interested in learning how to trade advanced option strategies as well. Another great resource um, that I like that I mentioned um, before is Investopedia. So Investopedia is a really 
great resource just to help you kind of understand the basics of the stock market, understanding the terminology, understanding um, just anything that you would like to know. It's a great resource just to break break down some pretty complex um, topics. And then last but not least, um, this is something I recommend that all my students do, or anybody who's interested, is just spending time listening to CNBC. Okay, um, Squawk Box is a great show to watch because oftentimes they have various company CEOs on there. Um, they also have um, a number of other um, commentators to come on and talk about the state of the economy. Um, they have um, just a number of different resources and information that can really help someone just elevate their fluency in the market. So those are some really good um potential opportunities to learn as well. And of course, there's a lot of books out here too. So um, I like one-on-one, like kind of dummy for dummies types of books as well. So that's a good place to to go and get some additional information too, um, to help folks get started. So I hope that helps. Would you recommend someone start in cryptocurrency or in the stock market or they would do it simultaneously? So um, I'm a big fan of focusing on one lane um, until you've mastered it to a certain degree and then expanding your knowledge from there. So I would say that um, I would start with one. With both, understanding technical analysis will be really important. I think with crypto, there are there's so much opportunity out there because it is a newer, kind of more uncharted space. Um, that has definitely grown in popularity and so forth. So I would say select one to get a really good foundation with and then expand your net from there. That would be my recommendation. But I don't see anything wrong with doing both, to be honest. I'm I'm actually um, in in both myself. Talk about a story with one of your students, and you don't have to give the name, but one of your most um, recent success stories and take us from where they were to where they are today. Oh, I love that question. Absolutely. So, all right. So let me give you a little bit of background and then I'll bring you to my story. So one of the things I'm incredibly passionate about, especially as it relates to the history of the stock market is the fact that um, when we think about, um, when we think about, I want to pause. Okay. When we think about um, what has transpired there in the past, the very place where the New York Stock Exchange, as well as the NASDAQ stands, was once our country, the United States of America, largest slave markets, okay? That's where between Pearl and Water Street is where one of the country's largest slave markets actually stood back in the 1700s. So with that said, um, those who came before us helped to build a lot of the infrastructure there. And more namely, they helped to build the, the street that Wall Street, I'm sorry, the wall that Wall Street was named after. So one of my proudest moments that literally had me on the floor bawling for a good 30 minutes was that one of my students um, was inspired by 
the book that I wrote. And so he decided to write an ebook as well um, about the stock market. And with that, he decided to go to Wall Street. And while he was there, he actually sent me a video where he was um, just saying, hey, I'm here on Wall Street. But then he would, went and stood in front of the New York Stock Exchange. And in less than 45 minutes, he made $1,700 in the stock market right in front of the New York Stock Exchange on the same grounds that those who came before, many of us, worked and toiled, those men, women, and children. So that was absolutely my proudest moment to have in some way impacted um, the life of someone who looks like me, right? Um, to, to have that opportunity to trade and make money in a place that those who came before us worked so hard to build. Because I'm a firm believer, if we build it, we should be able to profit from it. And um, he did just that. Advice you wish you had followed. Oh, stay in my simulator longer. Stay in my simulator longer. I was so anxious to get out there in the market and um, begin trading, begin investing, because I was doing good in my sim. But yes, I wish I heard that, but I wish I would have done that longer. And then that would enable me to have the opportunity um, to save on, you know, some of the losses that I took early on as a as a um, younger trader. So that's what I wish I would have listened to. So you stayed in the simulator for how long and you wish you had stayed for how long? Oh, I stayed in the simulator for probably a good two months, <laughs> which is crazy. But yeah, a good two months. And I wish I would have stayed in it for at least six. A good half a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, maybe some trading here and there, but for high probability trades only, um, not for those that I was emotionally attached to, right? Like, ooh, I heard the sudden news or, ooh, I think this makes sense and not really um, executing a full strategy. Yes. Now, is the market fun for you? You say, is it fun? Right. Is it fun for you? Is it something you oh, really enjoy? I love it. Yes, absolutely. I love all things stock market. I can like literally talk about the stock market all day, which is kind of strange, but I love it. Um, and the reason why I love it so much is that it feeds my global curiosity. Um, we are all so interconnected. And even though, you know, the majority of U.S. citizens spend the majority of our time here, um, on you know in, inside of our inside of the United States, there is so much to be learned from places that are abroad. So much to be learned from these corporations that are global, um, and how one thing that happens in one location can completely impact what's happening here locally. So I just love that. I love that, um, and I love the fact that. Um, one of my other proudest moments is another student recently. She's a newer trader. She's trading it in her sim still, but she's been working with me for about mm, a little, almost three months now. And she made her first um, $1,200 on the market the other day. And she literally wept because it hit her that 
she made this money so quickly with so little effort as it related to the actual placing of the trade. Now, she had to learn how to do it, but the actual placing of the trade, that she's like, there are so many people out here that are working so hard every single day and won't make this amount of money in a week. And she wept. And so that for me was like, wow, like she she sees the power of this and the power of why it's so important that people learn if they're interested how to leverage the markets in this way, in this way, because it truly is a lot easier to make a lot of money in a short period of time, my mentor says, than it is to make um, a little bit of money in a longer period of time if you know how to leverage things. So, so yes. Someone's listening to this interview and they're saying, hmm, I'm not really connecting the dots. How do you go from poverty to PhD to the stock market? Yeah, so so you said um how do I how did I connect the dots between those places? Right, right. So the so con, so connect the dots for the audience. Tell us the backstory. How did you go from poverty to a PhD to this love for the stock market? Oh, absolutely. So um I just think that God ordered my steps really. Um did not grow up at all talking about investing in anything <laughs> around my dinner table. Um, nor did I have a sound understanding of the use of money. If anything, I learned growing up that having credit cards and being in debt was the American way of life. Like literally my aunt would say that very often. Um, love her to pieces. However, um, that was the narrative that I went to college with. And so my story has not always been, oh, glamour, let's talk about the stock market. No, I graduated from Tennessee State University, love my alma mater, in debt, okay? In debt with a credit score of 528. So because I traded my credit score for a t-shirt, I had to dig my way out. I had to dig my way out because I knew that I wanted to live a life that was different from what I grew up seeing. But I also came to realization in kind of a, almost a very kind of um, hard way that my credit score was going to hinder me from getting there. And I learned that when I wanted to purchase my first vehicle and my interest rate was out, just out, out of sight. So. With that said, um, that's when I started to really gain my interest in understanding finances better. Um, I started to think about some of the things I learned from my accounting instructor. And um, from there, I just, you know, did little bits here and there. But I can't say I truly had a strategy or a true kind of um, North Star, as I encourage people to do now in mind. I just knew that I wanted to do better. It was not until... Post, you know, I had my PhD and all that, just living life, you know, making decent money. But um, it wasn't until I had a chance to interact with a multimillionaire um, who decided to gift the organization that I led at Ohio State University $5.3 million. 
And when she did that, I literally was like, what? Like, if she can give us $5.3 million and not blink through this process, then that tells me that she has a lot more money somewhere. So I became really curious about how she was able to acquire that those resources. And she told me that she did accumulate a lot of her wealth in the stock market. And so that was what got me started, like really trying to understand that. Um, I then recognized that, you know, when we're growing up in life, we, we're kind of almost taught this um, three-step life hack, right? You go to school, step one. You get a good job, step two. And you make good money, step three. But that's it. There's really not a step four there. We're not told how to make our money make money, okay? And so that's what I learned at that moment was she had some money because she had sold a business, but she made that money that she had make more. And so that was just a very much a a moment for me. And I recognized too, because she was given this gift, I wanted to be able to do so as well, but my nine to five was not gonna get me there. So I decided that that's where the whole stock, you know, interest really started and um, began learning everything I possibly could, took classes, hired coaches, you name it, anything I can possibly do in order to educate myself in this space, I did it. Um, And here I am. Here I am. Absolutely in love with the market. (laughs) So do you have mentors now? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I have coaches um, that I work with in order to help me to learn, especially in the option space, because there's so much you can do. Um, So yes, I have coaches that help me. And then that helps me when I'm teaching my students how to do more advanced strategies as well. I'm, I'm I'm a continual learner. Absolutely. And then you talked about going to college. Now, what did you major in? And did it did it help or leverage what Absolutely. So I used to say that none of my degrees on my wall um, (laughs) align with me being a stock trader or a stock trading coach, but actually it does. So my bachelor's degree was in psychology. So I was able to learn a lot about human behavior and human behavior has a large part of what we do when we engage in the market, right? There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of psychology behind Um, what we're doing in the markets as well. So that degree comes in very handy. My master's degree is in college student personnel. So I spent time, you know, in higher education pretty much all my career. And then my doctorate degree is in higher education administration. So in, in that higher ed space as well. What is something, I know you talked about the investor that is, um, starting out. Talk to the seasoned investor with everything going on now and if they do have a you know they're into the market but they're not necessarily they have someone else managing their account would you recommend that they kind of stay aggressive during this time or would you recommend that they be a little bit more conservative yeah so i'm not a financial advisor so i i hesitate to answer um that type of question i can speak from a trader's perspective however um i think that given that we're in this time of of pretty 
the volatility is not as extreme as what it has been. We're, we've had several um, down days here recently. I think today we actually snapped a three-day losing streak. But there's there's opportunities there. So I guess what I would say to my more seasoned traders in particular is um, just, just leverage this time. Um, leverage it, right? Think about how we can make sure that we're hedging our accounts, especially if we're in some longer term um, positions um, with options leaps or long-term straight stop stocks in general. Um, using this time to make, make sure that we have a strategy in place to hedge against the potential losses that we have in place um so yeah so that that's what i would say to that more seasoned person right now is making sure and also i guess i would also add make sure we adhere to risk tolerance because it's easy to have hope and one thing i've learned just through the years that i've been in the markets is that hope will have you broke okay <laughs> so it's important to make sure that you're you're really managing your risk um and adhering to your risk tolerance at all times and not just hoping that things are going to turn around but sticking to the plan what is something that we as investors or traders in the stock and uh, as a stock and option trader what is something that we should know that we don't know about Hmm. Yeah, we should know that we don't know about the industry. Um, I think that a lot of people, especially those that are newish to the market, newish to middle, they don't have a sound understanding of seasonality and understanding what that looks like for companies, for exchange traded funds, or whatever they may be trading. Um, certain companies um, tend, in certain sectors, let me be specific as well with that, tend to do better in different economic environments. So, for example, right now, especially in this time of we're in this inflationary period, um, when we when we start to see the market pull back, um, the Nasdaq was what pulled back first. The Nasdaq is the index, and so that was our big our institutional investors, which is like the big banks, the hedge funds, and, you know, all the folks with uh, all the money um, were beginning to sell off their tech positions, right? Because the um, earnings that was once there were not as likely um, here in 2022. So with that, taking a look at some more defensive companies, right, that are more stable, steady the, the Coca-Colas of the world, the Procter & Gamble's of the world, those type of companies is also um, something that people can rebalance in. So understanding that during different economic cycles and seasons, um, performance changes, it shifts. And so having a sound understanding of that, I think is something that most, well, especially those who are new, don't have a good grasp of. And it's really important. Thank you for so much for that. And we just want to thank our audience. And if anyone has a question for Dr. Meadows, feel free to let us know. Um, what problem exists in the world today, Dr. Meadows, that you would like to solve? Mm. 
The normalization of black wealth. I think that, especially as black women, we spend a lot of money. We have a decent amount of money, although, of course, you know, the data suggests that we don't make as much as our white male counterparts um, or our white female counterparts for that for that matter. But I um, would love to be able to normalize wealth in the black community. Um, I would love for our children to grow up and truly be able to live as their true authentic selves. Because I believe that our wealthiest self, when we remove that barrier of money, we remove that barrier of feeling like we need to hustle and grind all the time in order to just merely survive. We, we will remove those limiting mindsets, limiting beliefs. Then I believe that people can be free to truly be who they've been created to be um, and not necessarily have to feel beholden to any one job, any one state, any one situation. So in my thing too is just thinking like if we truly are living how we are designed to, to live, there would be no lack in this world because we will all be doing what we were created to do. So that's a long way of saying that um, I, I just would want more people to, to have access to, to finances. So that they can have the freedom to do what they they've been created to do. How do you manage and define risk within your option trade? So I look at um, I, I don't want to lose any more than forty to fifty percent on any options trade that I take. Um, <laughs> have I lost more? Absolutely, but I when I mentioned earlier the importance of adhering to one's risk tolerance, that's that's what I do. So um forty to fifty percent loss so that I won't lose the entire if I it depends on the strategy I'm using, but let's just say I'm a buyer of a collar put so that I won't lose any more than fifty percent of the premium price that I paid, then that helps to keep my portfolio intact. Um so that's how I manage it. And then also Another thing that's really important is thinking about your position sizing. So really having an understanding of, okay, so how many contracts should I be buying based off of um, the amount of risk that I'm willing to assume? So I go through that process too of thinking about, okay, so if this goes south on me, then the maximum amount of money that I could lose is X. And am am I okay with that? If I'm okay with that, then okay. Um, but even before I go there, one important thing to note is with any trade that I take, and I encourage anyone who's listening um, to the audience now, for any trade that you take, it's so important to make sure that you can stand, as I tell my students, flat-footed and make the argument as to why this trade makes sense, okay? It has to make sense. Um, and if it does, that means this is a high-probability trade that will more than likely, if the market conditions are correct, will go in the direction that you're, you desire for it to go. So those are important pieces to that risk management conversation. What option strategy should a rookie learn first? Sure. So 
Um, I think buying and sell. I'm sorry. Let me not say selling. Buying calls and puts um, would be the kind of um, first step for a novice. And you need level two options trading to do that. So that's that's just something you would ask your broker to grant you. And that will enable you to be a buyer and buyer of cost and puts, which means that you can trade in either direction um, pretty easily. And what strategies do you deploy the most? Um, so I like, I like, I do a lot of different things. So I would say vertical credit spreads just because I like the fact that it helps me to generate regular income on the market. So that's one thing. Um, and uh, I also buy, buy um, cost and puts too. So yeah, those, those are the two most. And then if I'm trading gaps on a, on, you know, that you see on a chart, I use stop to do that. I don't really use options a lot to do that. Um, so yeah, gap trading also is one of my favorites as well. And also, how do you look for opportunities? What what indicator? Um, so I look for opportunities. It's all based off of technical analysis. So what, what you see on the chart, um, looking at the trends, looking at the formations that the camp, Japanese candlesticks are forming, all of that helps me to then determine what makes sense um, to, to take a trade. But beyond the technicals, it's also important to really have a sound understanding of the momentum of the market, because even though the technicals may suggest to trade in one direction or the other, if the momentum of the market is moving in the opposite direction of that, then that may not be the best idea. And so it's important to make sure that all the stars are aligning um, before you actually execute on a trade. Um, so you also mentioned indicators. So I do use indicators in my trading as well. And um, I'm not sure if you want to know kind of which ones, but um, RSI, um, Bollinger Bands um, are two. I sometimes use moving averages, especially for my longer term trades, um, exponential moving averages there. Um, yeah, so those are, those are some. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to our audience what does overbought mean or oversold mean? Absolutely. So when you're talking about an overbought, um, so it's all about supply and demand, right? And so that's the indicator RSI, which is Relative Strength Index, is an indicator that will help you to discern if a company is overbought or oversold. And so with that said, um, the, uh, if a company's RSI is over 70, that means it's overbought, which means that there is a likelihood that it's going to turn back around, okay? Turn around meaning pivot and move into the opposite direction, um, which means that there's, there's a lot of demand there, right? The demand has, has caused price to, to appreciate. If it's oversold, in RSI terms, that means that our, the RSI has fallen below 30. And so that's oversold. And so with that, then um, that means that there's been a lot of selling action going on. And um, there's a likelihood that demand will come back in fairly soon to then turn price around and push it back up into a um, positive direction. So that's how I would describe that. 
And what does average down mean? Average down. Um, so that's when you are um, when you are um, purchasing shares of stock at a lower price. So, say for example, you have bought shares of stock um, at one twenty-five, right? And then for some reason or another, the price stands like right now. We're in a situation where price has fallen. Um, pretty significantly. So say for example, it's now a hundred. So you can buy shares of stock for like a hundred dollars. And so then the average of where you bought the stocks previously versus where you're buying the stock now would then um, relate to you averaging down. So that's what that means. Meaning the average cost that you pay overall is lower than what you initially paid when you just, when you bought those initial shares. I hope that makes sense. And what is the minimum account value you suggest in order to actually grow an account size? What's the minimum value I suggest that people have in their accounts? Correct. Okay, so that also is dependent upon the strategy. So when you're trading stocks, um, you're going to need more money because you're paying for the, well, it depends. If, if you're trading with fractional shares, that's something different than when you have full shares. So, um, but, but if you're looking at full shares, that's gonna cost more money because you're paying for the full price of the share. Whereas when you're trading options, you're not paying the full price for the share, you're actually paying a premium price. So that means that you are paying just a fraction of what it costs in order to purchase those contracts. So with that said, if you are just starting out and you're like, okay, does it take a lot of money to get started? Um, my answer is no, it doesn't, especially if you're learning how to trade options. So you can find option stock tracks for as little as $500 or less. Um, but of course, the more contract you want to buy, the more it will cost. But um, my recommendation, if, if for someone starting out, so at least get about 2000 in your account, and then you can definitely build from there. That's a good place to start. It gives you some breathing room as well. What is the best decision, Dr. Meadows, you've made as a That's a good question. Letting go of my limits and beliefs. <clears throat> Letting go of limits and beliefs. Um, I now am the, um, well, not now I am the, <laughs> I am the founder of a group of movement, if you will, called Stocks and Soars. And I was so scared to put that out in the world because I didn't know what people would think. But <clears throat> when I say the testimonies, the, the um, thank yous, the all of the great things that have come out of this, um, for me, just removing those limits and beliefs and saying yes and actually making it happen, like I'm so glad that I did. So I would say that is hands down, without a doubt, the best decision I could have ever made. Not just for stocks and sores, but just for being an entrepreneur and sharing what I know um, with, with the world. And tell us more about that. What is Stocks and Sorors? 
Yes, absolutely. So Stocks and Soars um, was founded, or really the idea was um, developed from my initial um, conversation, well, thought about the Sigma Gamma Rho sorority. They're one of our um, MPHC sororities. Their centennial year was, at the time when I was thinking about this, coming up in 2022. And so with that, I was sitting down, I was thinking like, wow, it is absolutely amazing that um, <laughs> during this year, we as Black Greek sorority women, because I'm a Delta, um, will have contributed over 400 years of service to our communities, both domestically as well as abroad. And so when I thought about that, I was like, oh my God, that is huge. Like, um, we should commemorate this moment. Like, this is, this is amazing. But then I was like, okay, you're not a president. You can't do anything about this. You can't, you know, so all of these like thoughts came into my mind. And I'm like, well, what, are, what would I think? Would I, you know, believe that this is a thing? And so forth and so forth. So all of those thoughts came. Well, it wasn't until uh, almost a year later, and I the idea kept coming back, kept coming back, that God was like, go, <laughs> go, put this out there, see what happens. And so with that, I was like, okay, if we can um, use this moment of celebrating this 400 years to lay the foundation to bless our families financially for the next 400 more, like how amazing would that be? And so I had a chance to connect with my chapter president, um, told her about my idea. She thought it was great. And so from there, I got started. And my whole goal between now and November 12th of 2022 is to encourage and catalyze uh, 1,908 members of Alpha Kappa Alpha, 1,913 members of Delta Sigma Theta, 1,920 members of Zeta Phi Beta, and 1,922 members of Sigma Gamma Rho to become active participants in the stock market. And so with that, every Sunday from 2.30 to 4.30, I teach a stock market one-on-one course in order to help them to take those first steps. And I love it. I mean, the journey has been great. Um, I have a whole Stocks and Storage Challenge going on. So whichever sorority reaches their founding year first, I'm going to make a donation to a nonprofit of their choosing. And then also, I've been blessed to have the opportunity um, to speak at the Sigma Gamma Rho Centennial Boulay. So super excited about that upcoming event. So that's Stocks and Storage. That is awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for Thank sharing you. that. Uh-huh. So let's talk about legacy. When it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? Hmm. Ooh, that's good. So first and foremost, I want my daughter daughter to be proud of me. Um, I think she is. I feel like I work too much though now. I, I yeah, I work way too much. Um and even as a full-time entrepreneur, like I thought things would be a little bit better, but they're not. So it's okay. Um, but I, I want to be remembered as a woman who who cared, um, a woman who wanted to see Black wealth realized in real time. Um, yeah, 
I just I, I just want to be remembered as someone who who helps people help people get to that next level financially, um, as well as within their mindset as well. Because really, you know, being on the stock market is a whole, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is a whole vibe, right? It's a whole mindset shift. Because once you recognize and come to the realization that you can actually go in and get money whenever you want to, uh, it, it's a it's a mind blowing opportunity. Like what, <laughs> you know? But of course, you have to know how to leverage it. You have to protect yourself in the process. But it's definitely possible, and people do it every single day, every day. So, yeah. Um, before we wrap up, we just want to ask in the audience again if there's anyone that wanted to ask a question. So I thank you, Doctor Metals, for joining us, and so. Um, if you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and. Hmm. Um, That's a great question. So I'm thinking. I guess I would want to ask myself, what's next, right? And um, what's what's next level? What do you like? What do you want to do? Um, and honestly, if I were to answer that question, I just I I really want to see. Are and I'm speaking specifically about stocks and sorors in general. I want to see our sororities come together and lead the charge for Black women to really get good with money, to really get with money. And so, and it doesn't necessarily have to be stock market related solely. Of course, I would want the stock market to be a component of it. But how do we get control of our finances in a way that we can lead our, because we're, we're leaders, you know, just by default. But how do we um, lead our families in a way that we truly help them to set the stage for generations to come? We've done so much in our community, so much. We've made so much of an impact. Um, I truly believe we have the complete power and authority to also do this as well. We've come to the part of our interview. It's called Rapid Round of Fun. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I'd like you to give me very quick answers. Oh, you're breaking up. Oh, can you hear me now? Dr. Meadows, can you hear me? Dr. Meadows, can you hear me? Hmm. That's interesting. Dr. Meadows? We'll give her a minute and see if she can hear us.
Dr. Meadows, are you there? Okay, I don't know if Dr. Meadows is there or she can hear me, but what I, um, anyone that's listening to the, can you, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, I don't know what's going on with the um, audio, but what I'd like to do is give anyone the information how they could reach Dr. LaCour Metals. She's at www.investtogive.com, and the two is the actual um, letter two. So if anyone is interested in reaching Dr. Metals, they can reach her at www.investtogive.com. Um, dot investtogive.com. Are you there, Dr. Meadows? I am. Can you hear me? We can hear you now. Okay, perfect. I'm not sure what happened. I'm sorry. That's I'm okay. Here. Okay. Um, what I'd like to do, I don't know if the audio is going to go out, but what I would like you to do is um, we won't do the fun facts um, lightning round. I'll just have you share with the audience the best way for them to connect with you and to do business with you. Yes, absolutely. So you, I can be found um, by visiting my website, investtogive.com. Thank you so much for mentioning that. You can also find me on Instagram at investtogive, as well as on Facebook at investtogive as well. Or you can um, find me by my name on Facebook, LaCory Meadows. All right. Thank you so much. Um, that is a wrap. And um, anyone can reach out to Dr. Metals if they have any questions. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. The pleasure was all mine. Okay. That's a wrap. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.